This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. The United States and Russia have a tense political relationship. President Joe Biden has called Russian leader Vladimir Putin a killer. Putin replied that it takes one to know one. The two countries are at odds over cyber hacking, election interference, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and scores of other issues, including Russia's strong backing for Belarus, which hijacked a commercial airliner recently so it could arrest a dissident journalist. That's a lot of baggage for the upcoming summit between Biden and Putin on June 16th in Switzerland. And yet, things have been worse, only to have cooler heads prevail. Consider the world's close call when the U.S. and Soviet Union almost got into a nuclear war during the 1963 Cuban Missile Crisis. The politics of the time almost drove us to oblivion. But the very human relationship between two men one a British businessman and one a high-ranking Soviet officer helped avert catastrophe where the politics were just making things worse. That relationship is the subject of the new espionage thriller The Courier, starring Benedict Cumberbatch as Greville Wynne, an unlikely British liaison with Colonel Oleg Petkovsky, who supplied him and the West with the intelligence needed for the United States to help defuse the Cuban situation. Dominic Cook, who directed and produced the movie, joins us on Political Theater today to discuss the film, which is out in theaters already and will be released on Blu-ray, DVD, and streaming June 1st. Dominic Cook, welcome to Political Theater. Thanks very much, Jason. It's good to be here. Let's do a quick recap of the movie. Um, it, it is, uh, I mean, I, I sort of uh, hinted at it, but this, uh, it, 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 it's a contained within a, a, a few years. It's not just about the Cuban Missile Crisis, but it is about this real life figure, Greville Wynne, who, by the way, I, I don't, I, I know he's a real figure, but you probably couldn't come up with a more British name than that, right. <laughs> I, I think. But just do, let's do it, just a quick little recap, and then we'll talk about how you got involved in the project. Well, it's really the story of how, um, I mean, it's, it's a true story, but like any movie, there's a certain amount of sort of compression of information. Uh, it all happened. And uh, Gravel Wynn was a salesman. He, he was sort of an engineer by trade, and he was selling uh, sort of factory equipment to the Eastern Bloc. That was his, he had a business, and that's what he did. And because he was traveling there, MI6 and CIA had got together because they had a contact from this guy, Oleg uh, Pankowski, who was the most senior, as it turned out in the whole Cold War, he was the most senior Russian spy. He was a war hero. He was very closely connected to Khrushchev and all the sort of senior military figures. He was a GRU officer. So he had a lot of access to information. And he had, he did not like the Soviet system. He did not like uh, the way he'd been sort of thwarted personally within that system. And um, he wanted to sort of get this information out to the West. And MI6 and CIA had had a few disasters in in, um, Moscow with sort of operatives being found and shot. And uh, so they wanted to find a civilian. And and because Grover Wynne had such a sort of perfect cover uh, and reason for being there, they they chose him. And it turned out this coincided with... 
Khrushchev's sort of aggressive turn towards America by putting um, the uh, missiles into Cuba. And so they ended up bringing back really important information. I mean, not just that, there were 5,000 papers that came out of sort of the uh, military, uh, you know, sector. But uh, the key bits of information were the ones that made it back to um, Kennedy, which really said, uh, really sort of proved that, A, they were taking missiles in, and B, that their nuclear arsenal was way, way smaller than they'd said, so that actually the US did have the sort of strategic advantage, which gave uh, Kennedy the sort of ability to call their bluff. Right. So they played a really important role, sort of inadvertently initially, with, you know, um, so, sort of putting an end to the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was a really close call for the world. Um, as, as many people know, you know, we came very close to nuclear war at that point. We were really at the brink, and and it's. I, I think that sometimes you know our. I mean, we're in the middle of another sort of um, smaller incident by comparison with with the Russians and the Belarusians. Belarus uh, diverted a plane from from uh, Ireland and uh, arrested a dissident journalist, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, uh, who's been a thorn in the side of the West for decades now, uh, is is meeting. <laughs> With Alexander Lukashenko, the Belarusian president, today, uh, as we're speaking on this podcast, this will be published a little later. Uh, the EU is trying to figure out what to do. So we're we're in a we're not exactly in a cold war, uh, but we are in this tense situation, uh, and it just it seems to be that like this, this the the. Uh, episode that you uh, cover uh, in in this in this film, this feature film, is is it's almost give, it's given more resonance too by the fact that we continue to have these flare ups uh, with with the Eastern Bloc. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, I actually spent a lot of time in Russia over the years. So I've done a lot of playwriting workshops over there, and I also uh, extraordinarily went on a school trip to the Soviet Union in 1983, which is sort of etched in my memory. I was studying, you know, when I was 17, studying um, for my history exams, you know, sort of Stalin and the whole history of the Cold War. And I've been back, yes, as, as I said, a lot of times. And then I went back, I haven't been for about 10 years, and then we went to cast this movie. And it's very notable the change in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I felt that um, in the previous uh, visits I'd made, it, after Perestroika had settled and, you know, the new sort of regime had, had taken sort of uh, taken root, that it was much more sort of like a Western country in its sort of scepticism around power, if you like, amongst amongst the people that I met, who were the sort of liberal intelligentsia, admittedly, it wasn't a sort of very broad sector. But, um, but when I went back this time, I really noticed the sort of hardening of attitude, a sort of paranoia, really, amongst the same group of people, um, especially towards the Brits, because at that point, we were involved in this thing in Salisbury where, you know, there was a poisoning. And actually, because Trump was in at that point, there was much more sort of, <laughs> there was a sort of softening towards the US. Yes. And a kind of phase of softening towards the US and a massive sort of loathing of the UK. <laughs> and um, we were sort of, it was, it was very interesting and slightly sad, really, to see this, what I felt was a sort of regression back to those fault lines, which seemed at some point to be possibly shifting and moving and a sort of, loosening of that hold of the state on people's um, access to information and their imaginations, uh, which were, of course, very present in the, um, in the Soviet era. 
And before we get to uh, talking a little bit about uh, your the 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 big star of your of your uh, movie uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and his his role, the one of his co star, the one who plays Oleg Penkovsky, uh, Mirab Ninitsa, he was born in what was then the Soviet Union. And and uh, and is now Georgia, uh, the, the Republic of Georgia. Um, what was uh, what, what were some of the that seems to loan you know uh, like some real gravitas to his role because he could speak Russian uh, and and also just the he he grew up uh, in under the shadow of this. Talk about you know your your casting of him because it was a it's a really powerful role that he has. Well, I sort of have to thank my finances foundation for sort of just bearing with me because we'd cast Benedict. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think we'd cast Rachel Brosnahan, but we'd cast Benedict. From uh, the marvelous Mrs. Meisel. Yes, Mrs. Meisel, who's, who's a joy. She's brilliant. Um, she, and, she's the CIA contact. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, she's, she's fabulous. Um, but we had cast Benedict, and that's how we sort of got our finance on. Look, that's the way it works in movies. You sort of have to have your sort of key box office names in there to sort of unlock the finance. And, you know, initially there was this sort of sense, it's a wonderful role, Penkowski, that uh, it would be good if I went for a sort of a well-known US or UK name. Um, and of course, there are lots of brilliant actors, but the problem I have initially was that they've got to speak in Russian quite a lot, uh, you know. And then also, actually, my experience of having travelled there quite a lot is that ru- sort of Russian or not so Russian, that part of the world, there is a very, very different sort of outlook. And trying to find that with a Brit, a Brit or an American, I just thought was probably not the best way to go. So they let me go off to Russia with our casting director, Nina, we went to Moscow and we met with all the sort of great and the good of Russian acting because uh, there were some other Russian speaking roles that we cast out of Moscow. I had seen Mira in a show called, TV show called Mafia, where he played the sort of real baddie and he was absolutely spectacular. And initially we saw him, met him for the head of the KGB but he was so brilliant that we got him back and he read so extraordinarily that the uh, uh, film nation just went, yeah, he's so good. We've got to have him. So they were great. They were great. They got it. And the thing is, what was so interesting about Mirab was that he, is that he was, he grew up in, the, I mean, he's, a, he's an amazing guy, actually. He's brilliant. But, um, and he now lives in, he's very sort of international. He now lives in um, Vienna, but he, he grew up in, in, in Soviet Union, in Georgia, but he has as a Georgian sort of a distance. So, well, on one hand, he absolutely understood the USSR. He lived in it. He grew up in it. On the other hand, he's not Russian, uh, so it was a, it was it was sort of accessible to him. This role it was sort of you could see both inside and outside, which I think was really helpful for him because a lot of Russians. Uh, I mean, Penkovsky was sort of public enemy number one in the USSR for many many years, and the Soviet state used him. Um, they did a sh- public show trial. They put it on TV, there was a very influential documentary about him which sort of defamed him and lied about his achievements in the war and all sorts of things. So a lot of Russians to this day believe him to be not only a traitor, but a sort of awful human being. Uh, and so I think if I'd have had a, a, a Russian, I might have um, had quite a sort of long period of trying to sort of wean them off some of those ideas about the character, because you have to sort of identify with the character. You don't necessarily have to love them, but you have to identify with the character if you're going to play them well. Uh, and with Mirab, I did have that sort of, he was able to do that. He sort of saw the whole the whole situation. And it, it is it is a great role, and he's he had some experience in in uh, playing a uh, uh, in Homeland too, which uh, you know, got a lot of U.S. Uh, 
uh, audiences. He was Miroff. Um, so, so, uh, uh, and, and you mentioned that Benedict Cumberbatch was able to, I mean, when you sign somebody of his sort of stature and stardom, you know, a lot of the, the money sort of falls into place. You'd worked with him before, correct, on Hollow Crown, which was a series about uh, Shakespeare's uh, histories. He, he played Richard III, um, and uh, which is, uh, I mean, that, just talk about a meaty role for a British uh, actor. Uh, but he also, I mean, yes, he is uh, part of some of the biggest film franchises in the world. He plays Doctor Strange in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, he's in the Star Trek, you know, universe playing Khan. Uh, I mean, so he, he's got a, a, a resume that brings money with it, but he also, he's got a thing for espionage too. Uh, I mean, he was in the remake of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy as Peter Gwillem, uh, Smiley's sort of right-hand man, and he was also in, he played Aaron, uh, Alan Turig in The Imitation Game. And then, of course, it's not really a spy, it's more of a detective, but he was Sherlock. <laughs> so, so, I mean, he, he seems to have a thing <laughs> for, for, these, uh, for these roles, for these juicy British espionage roles. Yeah, I mean, he's, one of the things he's brilliant at, and, you know, not everyone is, is sort of, is sort of being able to play um, another period mm-hmm. authentically. Because, I mean, when you look at the way people, when you watch the video of people talking, especially Brits, uh, sort of in the early 60s, they're like an alien <laughs> species. I mean, they are so different. And, you know, even, uh, you know, the Brits are reserved people. It's sort of the culture. And I think it comes from the sort of colonial, you know, ruling the empires. So don't show them what you're feeling sort of thing. And that's sort of been passed down through the population. But, um, but and they're still like that now to some, to some degree, but they're a world away from how they were at that time. And they were sort of like Edwardians. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so extraordinary to see how stiff and sort of reserved and unexpressive people from the sort of mid-century were. Um, but I think in order to play it effectively, you've got to be able to sort of access real feeling underneath it because right. they weren't just the surface. There was a lot going on under the surface. I think Benedict is really good at that. And I think if you're playing espionage, you have to be able to sort of mask things. You know, they did. If you were working in uh, in that world, you have to be able to hide your real feelings. But he can sort of find a way of letting that through and showing what what a person is thing underneath. And one of the things that I really liked about this when I came across the script and I thought was quite unusual was that it sort of shows you a bit more about the, the personal cost for someone involved in an operation like this, you know, how much lying they have to do, how much deception they have to do of their families and how a risk they are. And, you know, I think the combination of sort of being um, at that level of, you know, responsibility with being a rookie was quite an interesting mix for him to play. And um, so he was very sort of comfortable with playing both those sides. And actually, when we were shooting, a lot of the time it was like, am I showing too much? Am I not showing enough? Those were sort of the questions that came up most frequently. What, one, one thing that also occurs to me about these two men and, and their friendship is that there's a line uh, that, that I believe Penkovsky uh, states that uh, to um, uh, Wynn's son that... Um, you know when the, when the son asks like do the russians hate us and he says the you know the russians don't hate you our politicians hate your politicians and your politicians hate our politicians and then you have on this human level this very human level um two people really as you said like averting a global catastrophe and to me i mean not to get too you know weepy about it but like that is kind of inspiring particularly in the kind of darker political times we're in right now where each side is 
is continually uh, casting aspersions upon the other side, Democrats, Republicans, uh, however it may be, Russians, Brits, uh, and and that there's a lack of recognition of people's humanity, which is amplified, I think, by social media, Twitter, uh, in particular, Facebook, um, and and that. That's kind of you know like inspiring. I mean, again, this is a, this is a spy movie. This is a thriller. Uh, it, it's uh, it, 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 but it does have that message, and I and I wonder too if that's like a, a message for us now because let's face it, we're still we're still in a pandemic. Uh, we're still uh, in a, in a very dangerous time in our history, uh, and the and the politics are kind of failing us uh, at at this point. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it is it is you know it's, it has a darkness. The film, but it's a sort of I think very positive um, film. Um, and it's partly about how, as you say, it's possible for one or two people to begin to change things. And and um, it's also partly about the nature of heroism and what that means, you know, and 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 that sort of certain amount of sacrifice um, and depth, a sort of depth of relationship is what what makes life meaningful. And I sort of feel like uh, Greville, at the end of the movie, he's lost a lot, but he's sort of found something very profound which he's done something of immense value and really the thing he did that was the most value was sort of make a proper profound commitment to another human being albeit albeit a a friend in this in this in this instance and and through that friendship they sort of did something amazing so i mean i I agree with you but I, i you know i have i've had some extraordinary experiences in russia and the people there are so hospitable so warm i mean i've met some brilliant people and you know i've been um, I once did a, a really rather extraordinary play written by um, my director. It's a rather extraordinary play written by a young man from the Urals. And he'd never written, he'd never even been to a theatre, but he had a sort of inspirational teacher who sort of inspired mm-hmm. him. And we, I was working at the Royal Court Theatre in London, and we did a programme in Russia. And I went over to see, that's, the play was all set in his town, which was a town that had suffered so badly at the hands of uh, sort of post-perestroika. Everyone there wanted communism to come back. I mean, Mm -hmm. without exception, because what had happened is that they had had full employment, good healthcare, good education, and they'd gone from that to a place run by gangsters, uh, sort of 20% employment, alcoholism, absolutely rife. I mean, the the lives though were very, very hard. But his family, it was was really quite sort of in the middle of nowhere, sort of beginning of Siberia, sort of uh, huge sort of industrial wasteland. And um, his family were just unbelievable. I mean, they spent the whole day cooking for us and bringing them into, bringing us into their homes, giving them everything they had. You know, people in Russia are very like that. And, you know, you sort of, it's sad because you sort of think that the sort of enmity that's been built up and is still very much there between the nations, the sort of misinformation that is fed to people about in Russia, about the West and here about Russia. And it's just tragic because when you do connect, you what you're talking about, the sort of common humanity is very much in evidence and uh, they're just a very warm people. And, um, it, you know, it, 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 part of it's about that, how you, how relationships sort of bridge all that rubbish, all that nonsense, uh, and, and become something much, much more important, much more, much stronger, you know. 
Well, and I, I certainly think your film does that. I guess the you know the kind of tagline could be "Come for come for the Benedict Cumberbatch and stay for the uh, actual human relationships that develop." Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, Dominic Cook, thank you so much for joining us on Political Theater and talking about your movie. Uh, good luck with it. I know it's getting a uh, getting a, in, in now streaming and and uh, and home release and so forth. And uh, it's a it's a good uh, it's a good yarn. I really uh, I, I enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks. Cheers.